Imanaja Mashikuna, Imanaja Takangi. Hello, friends. How are you? Welcome to another episode of the Building Our Own Tables podcast, season two. I'm your host, Yuda Sapi, recording from Embera land on the Afro-Indigenous coast of Colombia in Nuki, Choco, in the Gulf of Tribuga. The Building Our Own Tables podcast is produced for HowlRound Theatre Commons, a free and open platform for theatre makers worldwide. And by Advancing Arts Forward, a movement to advance equity, inclusion, and justice through the arts by creating liberated spaces that uplift, heal, and encourage us to change the world. I'm interviewing Black, Native, Asian, and other founders of color to find transformative solutions and ways of working together that are not replicating the same white supremacy culture we wanted to get away from in predominantly white institutions. With the blessing that we all have a role in the revolution, this podcast checks in and learns from Black, Native, Asian, and other people of the global majority who have created arts organizations, movements, initiatives, practices, and beyond that are changing the game, making new things happen within and building their own tables instead of focusing on getting a seat at existing white and Eurocentric ones, or maybe something even beyond the table. We'll be learning from incredible arts organizing visionaries on their processes, pathways to success, and challenges they've overcome. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Parmita Ziai, founder of Sida Iranian Theater Ensemble. Sida Iranian Theater Ensemble was founded in 2019 as the first Iranian theater company in Seattle. Sida means voice in Persian to amplify the lost and forgotten voices of refugees, immigrants, and humans who often don't have the chance to be heard in the chaos of news and other dominating voices. Seda believes that awareness and understanding changes our perspective, brings our hearts closer, and eventually leads to peace. You can learn more at www.sedatheater.com. Parmida Ziai is an Iranian performer, designer, and choreographer based in Seattle. She has been merging her love of performing arts and her skill set in architecture by working in the themed entertainment design industry, creating branding experiences, themed attractions, and other immersive spaces. Parmida has also been a scenic and production designer with many local Seattle theaters, including Matcha Works, Theater 22, and Sound Theater. Parmida is the co-founder and managing director of Sida Iranian Theater Ensemble and the resident set designer with Matcha Theater Works. When not designing, Parmida performs, teaches, and choreographs contemporary and Persian dances. Learn more at parmidazi.com. Great. Thank you so much, Parmida Ziai, for being on the Building Our Own Tables podcast season two. We're so grateful to have you on to talk more about uh, See the Iranian Theater Ensemble and would love to just hear more about who you are. Just a moment to let listeners and those reading the transcript know more about who you are. Yes. Thank you so much for having me and a pleasure to be here. Uh, so my name is Parmida and I am an Iranian designer and performer, choreographer in Seattle currently. I grew up in Iran and, and then I kind of moved to California and studied architecture and theater there. I've always had a love for theater and kind of when I moved to Seattle, started wanting to combine my interest in design and theater and kind of ended up doing more set design uh, in the recent couple of years. But on the side, I always have also been very interested in dance. So 
kind of continued doing that here. And so I've been doing performances and choreography on the side. And then about a year and a half ago, as kind of the lone Iranian theater artist in Seattle, I started looking for community. And that's when uh, me and Nagma Samini, who's the co-founder of Seda, we sat down and started a new theater company called Seda Iranian Theater Ensemble. And it's been active for about a year and a half. So I've been doing that, but also continued design and dance on the side. Thank you so much. Yeah, I would love to ask more about Seda, the the origin story. How did the idea um, kind of develop in, in maybe the first steps you were taking? Maybe also a bit more about how what you envision for for the organization, for your community that you serve. Yes, of course. And so I, when I was doing, I've been doing set design for theaters in Seattle for about two or three years now. And I had been kind of, you know, the Seattle theater community is, is very tight-knit and small and everybody knows each other. And so I felt really connected to everybody here, but I was really looking for um, an Iranian community who does theater, which I was missing. And at the same time, kind of in a parallel path, Napme, who's the artistic director currently of the company and co-founder, she is a an amazing, uh, very well-known playwright and educator in Iran. And she had been traveling kind of the U.S. and She's uh, done many, many plays and, and scripts and done a lot of performances, but she's also an amazing educator who's been teaching for about 20 years in Iran and at the university, University of Tehran. So she was also here and kind of looking for, you know, looking to start something here, but didn't quite have the resources or didn't really know anybody. And so kind of on a parallel path, a mutual friend connected us. And I went to Nagma's place one day and uh, I was kind of a little bit of a you know fan of her. So I was, I was very uh, <laughs> happy to talk to her, but also in her living room, we started just talking about what can we do and how can we start something. And naturally, because she's an amazing educator, she was like, well, I would love to start with some workshops and classes. And that's how we kind of started Seda was with a general theater workshop for Farsi speakers in Seattle and basically wanted to open it up to anybody who has ever wanted to do theater who hasn't had a chance before or didn't feel comfortable doing it in English or just kind of has had maybe a little bit of experience but didn't really get a chance to do it. So that's how it started. And um, because the community knew Natme a little bit and, and myself, it quickly grew into a great class and we started there and then it kind of continued from there. And now we have a great community around us from that class. And that's kind of how it started. It was just through a mutual friend that connected two of us. And we had a lot of passion for creating that community. I love it. Yeah. And to to hear more about going back to that second part of the question, thinking about what you're envisioning and hoping to kind of manifest with, with the group and for the future. Um, would love to hear more about how that yes. kind of fits into your work. When we were um, first talking about this theater or community or company, really the idea that we wanted to grow was that, and this is also refers to the name of the company, Sedain Farsi means uh, voice. And we know that we really wanted to give voice to the Iranian and just in general immigrant community and refugee community around us because we felt a lack of that, especially 
through language and through specific stories that were missing, especially in Seattle. I think there, there are definitely great Iranian theaters and artists around U.S. and outside of U.S. who are doing amazing work, but we felt like there was a need here and there were a lot of people who were interested. And so through education also, that was also another, not just through performances and plays, but also through education giving voice to people was really important, which is why, why we named the company Seda eventually. And the other reason, or I guess a goal that we had in the beginning is to introduce the Iranian theater and playwrights and artists to the non-Iranian community here because there's such great theater happening in Iran right now, but it doesn't quite reach this other side of the world. And um, Nagma always tells me that, you know, every night there's like 100 theaters or plays happening in Tehran only, which is the capital. So there's really great work happening. And this way we've, in the, during the past year and a half, we've done play readings of Iranian playwrights, but also have been able to connect with Iranian theater artists inside Iran and outside of Iran. So kind of growing that outside of our community is also another vision that we continue to have and I think we want to do more of it in the future. I'd love to hear more about the work you've been producing this past year um, during the the global pandemic mm -hmm. especially thinking about how if you're connecting more with international Iranian artists were you able to do yes. that better because of now we have a couple, more of an online presence and energy and understanding internationally? Oh my goodness. Yes, I think, uh, you know, considering all of the downsides of this pandemic, I think one of the great outcomes of it was connecting with people online. And now these classes that we've been holding in terms of the education side of SEDA, and because also uh, Nafme has had students in Iran who were interested in taking more classes with her or with other teachers. And since, you know, now we have this online platform, so we were able to have people from all over the world, inside Iran, outside Iran, in Europe, in Canada, in the U.S., in different cities to take the classes. And that way, really grow the community. And we have made most of our classes available, mostly free of charge or some scholarship to people inside Iran because there are challenges taking classes and paying for classes and also people who couldn't afford it necessarily outside of Iran. So we truly try to grow this community. And then the first production, I would say, that we did, which was online, but it was really beginning of pandemic. And I would say was kind of before all the online theaters started happening was this performance called Kava's Birthday Party. And it was, it came out of that very first general theater workshop that I was telling you about. And that general theater workshop uh, continued online after the pandemic started because we started it in person and then pandemic happened. And then we wanted to do something, um, create an original work out of that class. And so we created this performance that was originally written by all the students who then performed in it as actors and also wrote their own scripts. And we used it and we actually created it for Zoom. So it made sense in that space. And then Nagma herself directed it and kind of uh, helped them with the writing. And then I helped them with kind of imagining their homes as their, as their set and their background. And then we had a brief choreography in it. So we rehearsed the whole thing online and then performed it online. And it was in Farsi. And the first time we performed it on YouTube, it was and it was done live so we wanted to kind of keep that live experience and 
about, I think, 400, 500 people watched it and all Iranians because it was in Farsi the first time. And then we decided to do it again, and this time with an English subtitle and another, I think, 100, 200 people saw it. And so it was quite a very thrilling experience for uh, the people who were performing in it because most of them had never done theater before, and this was their first very unusual experience. But also for us, it was a great, great challenging but really kind of moment of oh wow we can we can do something and i think we can create something and but also it wasn't as intense as being in a theater or having to rent a space or having to deal with all of the logistics of being in a theater space and so i think having that, that online platform made a performance also more plausible for a new co theater company like us with all of its challenges. So that was a really cool, cool experience uh, as a first production. And we made the recording available recently again for a week and people really responded to it. Yeah, that's so real about the physical space I found. So I closed the physical space of my organization around a few months into the, the pandemic officially, but right away mm -hmm. we, we kind of like stopped being in the space for safety. But but also I, I did find that it was a blessing to be able to be like released of this very capitalistic model. I was I'm running off of a well in Colombia it's like different ways to incorporate slightly, but basically not a nonprofit, you know, like a for profit organization. And so it it was definitely it was meant to be that way for what we were doing and selling tickets and selling drinks and things so it had to be that way but also you know being able to kind of be liberated of this like rent and and other costs that were things that I yeah. wasn't really interested in paying for and valuing with the specific project and it's not like in line with the mission to, to also pay for a bunch of other things that I couldn't really control where it's coming from as well because I do think being able to to spend our who receives that is is a really important way to affect change so I wanted to ask more about the challenges that you face in this project and also if there's anything else you're facing maybe as a founder and something that you're mm -hmm. working through? Yes. I mean, in, in general, I would say, um, aside from the pandemic, which is its own beast that happened, <laughs> in general, because both me and Nakme really kind of wanted to do this and just started doing it. And it's, it's hard when you have no you know, information or resources. But at the same time, we started really reaching out to the community around us because we realized that we really needed help. And, and also we were so eager to do things right away and create art and performances and people were eager to come to classes and stuff that we really realized that we needed to rely, rely on some other um, people around us for help before we really go off and become a nonprofit on our own, which is where the our mentorship partnership with Matra Theater Works in Seattle came from. And they have been super supportive and helpful in, you know, helping us find our way in all the challenges of running a theater company and the admin side of things, which as an artist, you know, nobody likes to do, but it's a part of, you know, running a company and you kind of have to learn your way through it. So it's been really challenging personally for me as a managing director to figure out, you know, okay, how do we budget for things? Managing all the uh, classes that we run and all the performance logistics, even though we didn't have a space, it was supporting a lot of people and making things happen and also a lot of 
technical things, which necessarily if you're in a theater space, you don't have to deal with. But when you're doing something online, you want to make sure it's a very smooth experience for the audience technically. So all of that has been challenging. But at the same time, I think we've had a great resources around us and people who have been really willing to share their knowledge about how to become a nonprofit or how to run your organization or, you know, how do you do a fundraiser, which we recently did and really had to figure out all of that. So that's kind of in terms of the running of the company, which we still are figuring it out. And it's it's hard when you are going forward, you know, blindly, but, but it's heartwarming to have support. About the performance, like I said, I think the technical side of things obviously was a big challenge because it was the first time we were doing something like this. But also, you know, it was the first time we were doing something as a group with this community, and we wanted to make sure that it's enjoyable for them, first of all, because a lot of them hadn't done something like this before. And we wanted to make sure it's an enjoyable experience. And a lot of them really were just putting their time, and, you know, we didn't obviously have a lot of resources or funding to to make this a big production, but really people were passionate about it and really wanted to put their time and energy into it. And so we wanted to make sure that that continues to the end and doesn't feel like something that, because it was the pandemic also, and we didn't want to have people feel they have to be a part of something, you know, just because they took the class. So we really wanted to make sure that it's something that comes from them, which is why they wrote their own scripts. And eventually they all were very excited to share something and but, you know, we learned a lot in terms of when we were doing the rehearsals and how to make theater online, which afterwards, when you start seeing other people doing it, you learn so much from other people, too. And you're like, oh, well, we could have done this to make it better, or maybe we should have done this to make it technically more accessible or all of that. So I think it was all a very great learning experience to do a production like that and prepared us for doing something in person, I would say. So all in all, I think it was good. For Seda, are you going to be continuing online work or will you be moving to in-person? I'm really hoping that we would continue both um, in-person and online. I think as theater artists, it's natural for us to want to be in-person again and together again and do things in a space. And it's just inevitable to not, as theater artists, to not not do that. And I think we're all very excited for that to do hopefully two productions, one um, potentially, both are uh, scripts that are going to be potentially original work. And uh, we would want to do bilingual work so that we have both the Iranian and non-Iranian audience uh, seeing our work and hopefully getting different experiences watching work in Farsi and English. And then we would want to continue the education side of Sida for sure, because I think that's how we've been able to grow our community so quickly. And bringing people from all around the world, which I think that side hopefully partly will stay online and maybe partly would be in person, depending on the class. Because as you may know, you know, acting classes are harder to do online, but playwriting classes or design classes you could do online and it would still be accessible to way more people than if we were to do it in person. And that way we can keep it accessible for Iranian artists and students inside Iran who obviously won't be able to make it here um so we want to kind of continue both of those paths and then on the third kind of path we want to 
continue doing play readings, which could also happen online, and that way audiences from all over could also uh, hear more about Iran's theater, you know, aside from people in Seattle, for sure. So I, I'm hoping really that both will continue, because I think the online world has made art more accessible to people, and I think that's really important. Is there anything you've learned on your journey um, as a co-founder uh, that you'd like to share? Mm -hmm maybe with other folks who might yeah. be going through similar things? Yes, I think um, I've, I've been very, very lucky that um, uh, my co-founder, Nahme, and I, we have a very clear and, and uh, I would say very similar vision. And from the get-go, we have been really on the same page and I felt really lucky for that. And I think that's quite rare that, you know, you find somebody who's very much in tune uh, with you and you are with them. and. And I'm learning so much from her and, and, you know, she's getting support from me. So we really complement each other. And I feel very privileged and lucky about that. But at the same time, you, I think one thing that we both have learned in the past year and a half is that because we've been so excited to just do work and start this thing, we've done a lot. <laughs> we feel really burned out, which, you know, sometimes you have to step back and say, okay, what do I, re what is really in line with our vision? and our original goal and how do we move forward gracefully and more be kinder to ourselves and to each other and to other people around us in terms of, you know, just the energy and the time that we all put into something like this, because we're all so excited and we want to, you know, not fall behind. We feel like, oh, we have to do so much more because we are new, nobody knows about us, so we have to really do more. And now people are so excited, so we don't want to lose that excitement and passion and want to kind of keep up with it. But at the same time, just knowing who we are and staying true to ourselves and to our community and slowing down, I think, is something that we both are going to start to do more of and have learned from last year. And, and also, you know, knowing the people around us and starting to ask for more help and more resources and really trusting the community that we're building to help us grow this company and relying on them. So I think we want to start training people and also have funding to pay more people to help us and become our staff and hopefully when we become a nonprofit that becomes a little bit easier but yeah just knowing our limits knowing knowing our goals staying aligned to them a little bit yeah i i see i've been seeing this idea of moving towards alignment over hustle so hustle coming from this like entrepreneur, I would say very New York uh, energy coming from New York. <laughs> yes, um, yes. But exactly. hustling, you know, entrepreneur energy oftentimes that you have to be working really hard all the time versus a line and then many different examples there in terms of how you can have change your, your hustle mentality to aligning. So knowing that we don't have to be working all the time to be effective. And, and actually, it's part of self-care, too, to, to get rest. Yes, and yes. And it doesn't take away from, from the work that you're trying to do, like recognizing that just because this is something unusual or new or like we've been trying to obviously prove ourselves that, oh, we are here, we belong, we want, we want to show that we are doing work. And, but at the same time, recognizing that that takes time and it's okay to kind of step back sometimes and rest and and re uh, re-energize ourselves yeah and that you know we can be offline for some time and that's okay 
We can take breaks and we can move as seasons change and as different parts of nature become available or, you know, resting as well. Hustle culture versus aligned culture from With Honors on Instagram. When Hustle says, I need to try all of these strategies and platforms in order for my business to be successful. Align says, I don't need to do what everyone else is doing. I should figure out what works best for me. When Hustle says, as an entrepreneur, I need to be working around the clock or else I'm not doing enough. Align responds, my energy comes and goes in waves. I'm going to listen to my body and whatever I do will be enough. When Hustle Culture says, I have to invest in every program and coach because they know something I don't. Aligned Culture responds, I have everything within me that I need to be successful. I'll only invest in coaches and programs that feel aligned. Yeah. How else can we be working to align? What are your strategies, especially thinking about working with other people? Yes. So we were kind of in the last round of our classes right now for this season. And uh, Natalie has been shook up a um, thousand and one night class. And after that, you know, we are going to have a little bit of time each on our own, kind of just rethinking everything we've done and kind of how we want to move forward individually, but also recognizing all the people around us and how they can best support the da, and then rejoining and really talking through all the opportunities and all the things that we've done and what we've learned, but also how we want to move forward in the next year. And we've kind of thought through that a little bit, you know, because we wanted to, we recently had a fundraiser and we wanted to obviously tell people what we're excited about and what we want to do. But I think we want to kind of step back and see, okay, what people really resonated with, what really helped the community and our vision, and how can we do more of that? <laughs> I think we tried a lot of things and just sitting back and looking at it and kind of looking through it and understanding what really worked, what really didn't work. And then asking feedback from people to understand really what people want to have more of, because it's eventually the education side of things is for the people and for the community. And so they told us kind of what they want to see more of and what they want to learn more of, because now we have this great community and we have group chats that we, you know, people have now made connections with each other, which is really cool. And so, yeah, so we want to see how where that goes, but also just Personally, we both have a lot of personal projects and other things that we do outside of Seda. Some of them support our, our work in Seda, and some of them are very different. And we both have to set aside time for all of that individual growth that we want to continue to do and all the other work that we continue to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen a couple of groups that I follow in other non-arts related necessarily organizing community groups one who has decided to go back to how what it used to be in terms of being more of a one person kind of account and space for learning which is so it's called fearless femme queer healing space mm -hmm. and then another decolonize unconference which is this gathering space for people of the global majority unpacking uh, whiteness and white supremacy within ourselves and our community and so that one actually is off instagram now and so just seeing 
you know, organizations and people behind them also making these decisions to actually step back and to do less, maybe, quote unquote, which actually can in the end be more. And also, you know, understanding uh, because we we want to obviously grow our, our internal team and understanding how we can ask for help from other people and how they best support us and also grow inside Seda and what is that organizational structure look like because there's a lot of different ways we could move forward, you know, with the two of us and other people. And we really have to sit down and talking to different nonprofit organizations around us in arts and culture and other Iranian organizations and non-Iranian organizations and trying to learn from how each of them run their companies and what works and what doesn't. And, and then that way we can come up with a way that works for us and then, then go out and ask people for, you know, help and support and also hopefully hire more staff so really rethinking kind of all of that based on the time that we had last year. So. Absolutely. And and again, thinking to this community mm-hmm. that you're talking about in terms of reaching out and finding out what it is that people want mm-hmm. and need um, and thinking in the different spheres as well. So the people you directly teach with, but also I imagine also the difference between people who are in Seattle versus maybe other parts of the U.S. versus international yes. And then other organizations, so all all kind of community, but different parts perhaps, and have different interests and values mm-hmm. even. Yes, and and that's the more reason to partly continue doing things online, and that way we can keep that community outside of Seattle engaged, especially again the community inside Iran, which are really excited to have this connection outside of Iran and and have the, that kind of collaboration back and forth. And one of the ways that um, we want to continue doing that, hopefully, which I'm really hoping that we'll continue to do, is through this thing that we started called Seda Visual Journal. And the idea of this visual journal, which is available through our website, and we just uh, released issue zero of it. The idea is that we would take world news and create theatrical kind of video work based on that. And this time, the issue zero came out of a class that Nagme actually taught last year based on the same subject. And then the students created work based on different news that they picked and adapted and then created an art piece out of it. And and then all of those works are from people from all over. A couple of them are from people in Iran and then a couple of them from outside and in Seattle. And so I think that's one of the great ways that we continue in keeping that community engaged and, and hopefully continuing with this journal also is is very it's very aligned with that idea of giving voice that we always wanted to do and this way we are giving voice to multiple people and also through the lens of multiple social issues and and news that we always hear around the world and we don't really know how to absorb um so hopefully that will be one of the things that we continue to do sure so wanted to know if you feel some sort of kind of accountability to international community coming from producing in the United States, a kind of a country that has so much power and so much influence internationally, yes. to say the least. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, because as somebody who, you know, grows up in a, I guess, quote unquote, third world country and then moves to the U.S., you feel this sense of responsibility to the community here, but also the community back home to like have to give back something or you have to like be the best in your, you know, in your community and like 
but also still be connected. So yes, there's definitely a sense of that, I think, individually with myself, but also I think as a company, I feel like, and especially because of the connection that Natma has to her students back in Iran and her connection to the, to the world of theater still in Iran, I think we really want to keep that connection and we definitely want to use that privilege that we have right now here to create art so easily and I mean easily convert to Iran in a lot of ways and the fact that we can freely speak our mind and you know create work based on whatever we want really and there's nobody saying oh no you can't say that or no you can't create that or no that's not allowed or that's censored and I think that's definitely a, a sense of responsibility for us to use our platforms now and and share knowledge also um so definitely we feel we feel that accountability and responsibility and we feel that need also from people outside of us to want to keep that connection absolutely and i what i do love about this i'm not i don't even want to say like i love the united states um but i i do appreciate <laughs> the community that i have found in a place that you know has so many mm-hmm folks who have migrated folks who um, have been on the land for many many generations um and so uh, people of color people of the global majority and exchanging stories that also reflect what's happening globally and thinking about a global decolonization so yeah love love connecting through artists and folks who are who are working through these mediums art is powerful it can do it can connect us through really unique ways and so why not use it you know absolutely well thank you so much i think you know one one last question i can ask would be is there anything else you'd like to to share with listeners in terms of resources or a final tip advice going into creating an organization especially in these these first years yeah and and maybe thinking about also the international aspect if other folks are are thinking about that too yeah I mean in terms of tips I feel like I still need tips but uh, if I could give I guess one tip based on the experience we've had in the past year and a half is really staying true to who you are and I know that sounds cliche because everybody says that but I feel like it's it's the truth and like knowing kind of what your goal is and what you're trying to really do with the art that you're making and you know um, staying true to that because there's a lot of opportunities that come up a lot of challenges obviously that comes up but I think for us the thing that really kept us going was our passion to tell these stories and give voice to people around us so I think that really kept us going through all the challenges and it still continues to push us but also really asking for resources and help and not being afraid to say that I don't know something, you know, and I still do that with people around me and uh, really thankful to have had people who have said, oh, yeah, that's okay. I know the answer to that. Or, you know what, I also don't know the answer to that. Let's find out. And so asking for help and not feeling like you should know all the answers. I feel like personally, I always have that issue that I feel like, okay, no, I have to be strong. I, I have to do this on my own. But just knowing that there are people who are very willing to help and share resources and hopefully that those people exist everywhere. And then on the international level, really um, creating accessibility because, you know, not everyone has the same level of access to everything that we have access here in the U.S. so easily and understanding where people come from, not from only an access level, but also 
and the, the experience side of things, you know, and like just understanding that people who are participating in your art or your classes or whatever that you're doing from outside of U.S. might have had a different experience than you and just being uh, understanding of that and being accommodating of I guess of that and I think that way connections stay and you know the collaborations continue. This has been another episode of the Building Our Own Tables podcast. I'm your host and producer, Yura Sapi. Our editor is Daniel Umali. Original music by Black Oss, the producer, and Julian Var. This podcast is produced as a contribution to HowlRound Theatre Commons. You can find more episodes of this series and other HowlRound podcasts in our feed on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find podcasts. Be sure to search HowlRound Theatre Commons podcasts and subscribe to receive new episodes. If you love this podcast, donate to support future episodes at advancingartsforward.org. You can also post a rating and write a review on those platforms to help other people find us. There is a transcript for this episode, along with a lot of other progressive and disruptive content available on HowlRound.com. Have an idea for an exciting podcast, essay, or TV event the theatre community needs to hear? Visit HowlRound.com and submit your ideas to the commons.